A few years ago, I discovered a pretty fun game to play during a church service, and we call it Episcopal Sermon Bingo. Now, the rules are pretty simple. You know how a bingo card works. You fill out a bingo card, and then you try to match up five squares in a row. And the squares are made up of sermon faux pas or commonly used preaching sayings or favorite uh, people to quote. For instance, your card might read something like this. The priest quotes from some theologian you've never heard of before. Or the preacher, and I think our rector's done this a couple times, ruins a current episode of a TV show or a movie with a bunch of spoilers. You're, yeah, that one's good. When our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, preaches, you are bound to hear one of the following. It's, if it's not about love, it's not about God. Or you are a beloved child of God. Or my favorite thing that he says, one more thing and then I'll sit down. Now, whenever Father Bob preaches, if you want to win Episcopal Sermon Bingo at a contemporary service, you must have as your center square, Father Bob quotes Bono from you too. <laughs> now, the way I am most likely to give you a space on your bingo card is to talk about where we are in our liturgical season. In fact, I'm, what I'm about to mention, I've probably said here several times over the years, but it bears repeating. Because I think as Christian people, we need to know where we are so that we can know who we are and whose we are. One of my favorite aspects of our liturgical season is that we spend about six months really focusing on the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus. And then we shift our focus and begin to focus on the life and the ministry of the church. We began our liturgical year in Advent when we hear the scriptures about Jesus' birth and about his coming again. And then during Lent, we travel with Jesus into the wilderness for a period of fasting, self-examination, and prayer. And Lent, of course, is followed by this glorious Easter season when we rejoice in Christ's resurrection and his victory over sin and death. And during this season of Easter, we hear every week Jesus' instructions for his disciples as he prepares the church for his departure until he'll come again. And we just heard a large portion of one of Jesus's prayers for his followers. Now, next Sunday, we will recall and we will celebrate Pentecost, the coming of the promised Holy Spirit to guide the followers of Jesus so that we might continue his work in the world. So in between Christ's resurrection on Easter and the coming of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost, we celebrate Christ's ascension into heaven. Recall this from the book of Acts. Jesus says to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and while they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes appeared and stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The ascension of Jesus. God taking Jesus up into heaven means something quite particular. It means that Jesus, in all of his full humanity, his whole life, 
all of his emotions, his memories, his actions, and his relationship, all are taken up into the life of the divine. It's not his spirit or some essence or some disembodied soul that ascends. It is the transformed and resurrected Jesus. This is the same Jesus who for the past 40 days after his resurrection has eaten with and instructed his disciples. This is the same Jesus who still bore the scars from his earthly life. The ascension is important because it confirms that this particular life of this person, Jesus of Nazareth, is intimately connected to the life of the creator of all. And the Nicene Creed in a few moments will proclaim, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. The particular gift of the Christian message is not that we will be free from suffering or struggles in our life, but that when we do encounter such hard times, God will be there with us. And not only present with us, but also helping us to redeem these very experiences so that we don't have to run from them or deny them or be ashamed of them, however awful or painful they might be. The ascension of Jesus means that all of humanity no longer needs to hide any part of who we are. The ascension means that human life is important to our Father in heaven. Our whole lives matter in heaven, not just the parts we like or we're proud of. Now, if you're like me, I'm guessing there are times from your life where you feel you might want to hide some of who you are. Perhaps you've hurt people who are close to you, or maybe you have been hurt so badly that you feel particularly incapacitated in your faith. These situations are what the ascension of Jesus speaks to. These very real moments. God wants to know all parts of you and so that your particular life and all aspects of who you are will be fully present in heaven. In the ascension of our Lord, his whole life, healed, redeemed, restored, is taken up into heaven. And because we can trust that all of our life are taken up with Jesus into heaven, we know how that we can live out our life in a Christ-like existence here on earth, even now, with all of the brokenness and messiness of our lives. You see, at the ascension, our Lord withdrew his visible presence from a specific place and time in Palestine so that he could be invisibly present with his followers everywhere and at all times. The ascension of Jesus is also a reminder that we live in the already and not yet. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And this pandemic has certainly been a period of 15 months of the already and the not yet. This vaccine is ready already, it's available, and everyone is not yet on board with receiving it. Our church is open, hooray, to worshipers, and we've not yet welcomed the whole community back, nor are we able to share in the common cup. Well, during these past four program years at St. Michael, I've witnessed incredible growth. Yes, in the number of people whose lives have been touched by this church, but also in a deepening sense of spiritual growth and faith in action. Keep it up. Christian life is a, Christian faith is a lifelong journey of growth 
So no matter where you are on that journey, God is not finished with you. God loves you just as you are and just where you are. But God also loves you so much that God will not leave you in that place. You are already saved by grace and have not yet arrived at the person God is calling you to become. Early during the pandemic, we made signs that say for our yards, the church has left the building. And I've got one of these signs in my office and I've been thinking about how we might rephrase this statement as we come back into the building for worship together. As a church, we are in the process of rediscovering each other and learning how to be once again the beloved community. The church is not the building, but this space and our technology allow us to be connected to each other in community. We worship together to be fed by word and sacrament so that we will be sustained for our ministry in the world. And I know this tagline's too long and you won't use it, but I came up with this. Every Sunday, we come into the building to be spiritually fed and then leave the building to be Christ's hands and heart in the world. This is perhaps one of the most relevant and truthful definitions of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Jesus is no longer in the world. The incarnation is complete. Jesus is risen. He ascends to the Father from whence he came. But we, we are still in the world. Jesus' works are now literally in our hands. And Jesus is counting on us to be his presence in the wake of his absence. What if we imagined that the resurrection of Jesus was just the beginning and not the conclusion of the good news? That the promises of the resurrection are in part ours to fulfill. How would a life of discipleship, of witness, of love be different if we really trusted in what Jesus said in John 14, 12? Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. We are in the world now, the world that God loves. And while we continue Jesus's ministry on earth, he continues in heaven to pray for us, his followers. Jesus prays that God will be present with us, protecting us, unifying us, so that together we can continue Christ's work of love. As we celebrate Jesus' ascension and prepare for Pentecost, we are reminded that our task as followers of Jesus, empowered by God's Holy Spirit, is to continue Jesus' ministry of teaching, of healing, of forgiveness, and of peace in all of the world. We are encouraged by his prayers for us and trust that as he has promised, we will be able to do not only the things in the ministry that he did, but even greater things. In this Christian life, we go from strength to strength and await the glorious return of our King and that day when we will be able to share with our Lord how we've continued his work of transformation. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much that you do not leave us comfortless, but empower us by your Holy Spirit to continue the work that our Lord Jesus started so many years ago. Lord, inspire us by his witness Empower us, strengthen us to do your work in the world. In Christ's name, amen.